Tonight, we are going to be, and as I told you, I've been reading through the Corinthians recently, so it shouldn't be a huge surprise, but I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians this time. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Uh, and man, pastor is dead on there when he was talking about hymns and just how they come to you. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think the music always affects me more than anything else. It just really, it does stir your emotions. And I would rather have music that stirs my emotions, that's godly music, that has a, a true message behind it. And I'm thankful for the hymns that are sung here. I'm just thankful for that, that group. Some things don't change in this church. And I'm thankful to see those three still singing and to hear that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And um, there's not a doubt in my mind that my father is saying that right now. Um, it is worth it all when we see Jesus. So um, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 7. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the passage, and then just like this morning, we'll pray and we'll get into it. Um, so let's read it. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy and we faint not, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, by, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, or Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the right of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we are again thankful to be in your house. We are thankful to have a country where we are still free uh, to worship you, Lord. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for their faithfulness over the years. And Lord, I just pray that tonight that it wouldn't be my words, but it'd be your word. Lord, just use your word. You promised that it won't return void. So I pray, dear Lord, that it'll speak to hearts and um, help people to make whatever decisions they need to make, Lord. You know their needs, uh, you know their desires, Lord, what their heart really needs. And I just pray that you would work in their hearts. And if there's a soul here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you tonight before it's too late. We do love you, and we just pray and ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And um, with the idea of this uh, message, you know, context is such an important thing. Um, when it comes to scriptures, it really is like to know what the Bible is talking about. Um, and, and I am sure without a doubt, you guys have heard people quote things out of the Bible that really are completely out of context and don't fit that situation to try to prove a point, to win an argument, to whatever. Um, but when we read God's word, like we need to understand what's really being said, um, you know, because sometimes it's not just as cut and dry as we like to make it. We don't know where they're coming from. And I'm not, and again, in no way am I limiting the Spirit of God. I believe with all my heart, as I said this morning, when we are saved, the Spirit works inside of us. I believe He gives us understanding. I believe He helps us in situations. But that doesn't excuse us of our responsibility to study and know God's Word. Because um, there is so much more 
to God's word. And you know, I, and I know I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind. I heard it probably for the first time right here, probably from the man on the front row right over there. But this joke just seems to fit so well. Um, you know, and I've heard it repeated so often about how a man was looking something from God's word. Then he opened it up and he saw, and he, Judas, went and hanged himself. And he said, that's no good. And he flipped over and he says, go and do thou likewise. And he flips over again. And he says, that thou doest do quickly. You know, and these texts are actually from God's word. You know, Matthew 27, 5, Luke 10, 37, John 13, 27. But the thing is, when we don't see the big picture, we're missing so much of what God has in store for us in this word. Um, that's what I loved about the Faith Bible Institute. It opened my eyes in a way that, like, I've never known God's word. To hear the 66 books of the Bible, you know, just so in-depth, explained, and for us to be able to study and know it. And I'm not here to do a promotion for them, a commercial. I'm not getting paid, but I promise you, it'll be worthwhile for you if you invest in the Faith Bible Institute. It will make Pastor Andy way better of a preacher than you may think he is right now. It just, it helps you understand things. I mean, he's a great preacher. I just didn't realize how good of a preacher he was till I understood what he was saying. Um, um, you know, it's just, a, it's a good thing. Um, but you know, you got to study God's word and you can't just pick and choose things either. You know, we can't just sit here and say, you know, well, I don't cheat on my wife or my husband. But if you cheat on your taxes, you're still living in sin. We can't, we can't say, well, I'm not a drunk, but you might be a glutton. And I'm not going to name every sin out there. But the thing is, we can't just pick and choose parts of God's word. God's word is meant to be taken in its entirety. And it tells one continuous, beautiful story. Um, you know, it's the greatest love story ever told. I mean, it's a wonderful book and I'm passionate about it. I'm excited about it. And that's what I see here when I look at some of this is in this context, which we need to understand, Paul is defending himself. The Apostle Paul is speaking out against false accusations being made against him. Um, you know, he is being accused of taking God's word and twisting it to kind of fit his own secret agenda or misusing the, the, the word of God to, to promote something other than what it was intended to do. And the Apostle Paul defends himself here, um, and we see that. In verse number one, it says this. It says, therefore... Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Um, and, and I can, you know, breaking just that one statement apart. Seeing we have this ministry. He's saying we have a ministry. And you know something, if you're a part of a church, which you're here today, if you're a member of Central Baptist Church, you have a ministry. This is your ministry, and it's not this building. It's not just the people inside this building, but it's to grow this ministry. It's to share the gospels with others. It's your community to make sure that this church is a light to your entire community. You have a ministry. It's not just Dr. Bloom. It's not just, you know, Brother Kevin who's leading the music. It's not just your deacons. It is all of you that have this ministry here at Central Baptist Church. Um, and because, he says, we have this ministry, he says, we've received mercy so that we don't quit. And I like to look things up. I really do. I never want to like misunderstand something. It's part of that whole studying thing. But when we have mercy, mercy, plain and simple, is being treated better than we deserved, uh, better than we deserve. And I think if we're being honest, all of us can say God has treated us better than we deserve. No matter what's going on in your life right now, God has treated you better than you deserve. The simple fact that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins is way better than I will ever deserve. Um, and, and that goes above and beyond any other things that I can start naming off that he's done in my life and been a blessing for me personally. 
Um, but we have a ministry. You have a ministry. And I realized that Paul was an apostle, and his calling was a little bit different um, you know, than just the average person in a church. But the reality is, if God calls you to a ministry, he's going to give you mercy so that you don't quit. He's going to give you what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. And I believe with all my heart that God has called everyone in this building to do something. You know, and I don't know what it is in your life that you're called to do. And, and whether or not it's an active role in the church or if it's just being a faithful witness or if it's going out on the buses, that's between you and the Lord. You need to know God's calling. You need to hear his voice. You need to be seeking that out. But God has called you to do something. He never called you just to fill a pew. He has a purpose for you. Um, and, I, and, you know, and, and a big thing with this is not just that he calls you to it, not just that he gives you mercy that you don't quit, but it's still a matter of choice on your part. You know, and, and I mentioned it this morning, free will is a big part of Christianity. We have the freedom to choose Christ or reject Christ. After we've chosen Christ to accept Christ because he's already chosen us, we still have that freedom to choose whether we're going to faithfully serve him or if we're just going to sit back and do nothing about it. Those are our freedoms. And we'll give an account for that one day. We'll give an answer for that when we stand before God. Um, but my friend, don't ever be deceived and think, just because I can't preach, just because, you know, I can't sing, just because I can't teach a Sunday school class, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not a calling for you. There is something that God has called you to do. I assure you of that. And sometimes people do things that, you know, are outside of their comfort zone. And if you guys know anything, oh my goodness, my, my father sang in the choir. And if you have ever been anywhere near that man when he has sung, that was not his calling. It just wasn't. It wasn't. I love him dearly. And I love the fact that he wanted to inspire other people to get in the choir. And he made a joyful noise, not a good noise, but a joyful noise unto the Lord. Uh, but, but the thing is, we have callings, and it's our responsibility to answer those calls. This is your ministry. So he says, we have this ministry, um, and seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy that we faint not. And in verse number two, he says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, Paul is saying this. He's like, look, I am not twisting God's word. I am not being dishonest. I am not trying to manipulate you in any way. Um, I am telling you what God's word actually says. And isn't that our job to tell people what God's word actually says? I mean, it is so much easier in life sometimes to tell somebody what they want to hear, but that's not what God tells us to do. He says, take God's word and tell them what it says. That's what our job is as messengers, to deliver that message that he has for us. You know, and so often, and I've seen people, and, and I've, I'm sure, I, without a doubt, I've been guilty of it in my own life, but when we have a point we want to prove or we have an agenda behind it, we will go to God's word with an agenda to find something to back up what we believe rather than going to God's word with an open mind and an open heart to see what God wants to show us. And, you know, that's a dangerous game to play. It's when we start manipulating what's there. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm not doing that. These are not my, my intentions are not um, impure. They are right. And, you know, I don't believe. I don't believe that everybody who opens up God's word um, and uses it incorrectly has an impure heart or an impure desire. Sometimes there's just a lack of knowledge. And we've all been guilty of that. And I can tell you, you know, just because I went through the, faithful, the Faith Bible Institute, it doesn't mean that I have all the knowledge I need. I still read God's word. 
And I think, my goodness, I've read that passage so many times. Like, where did that come from? And I'm learning things every day, and I go and I look to see what deeper like meaning it has or what those words actually translate to. And there is so much to God's word that we can constantly be learning. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study, or the, the word can translate to work, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, we need to put in an effort to know what God's word says. Um, it's not just going to magically come to, you know, when I was in school, I loved the idea of studying by osmosis, you know, like sleeping on your book and just hoping that it all like sunk in. Did I use that word correctly, osmosis? Okay, just wanted to make sure. My wife usually corrects me when I'm way off. Um, but anyways, the thing is that doesn't happen with God's word. And you can sit in here and you can hear preaching and you'll get bits and pieces. But until you get into God's word and you read it and you study it, it's not going to change your life the way it's intended to change it. It's such a powerful tool. It really is. You know, so we've got to put in that work. Now, you know, as I said, we miss a lot when we don't see the full picture, that context. Um, and, and a lot of times in God's word, there's, a, there's bigger things going on. And I even found out it's not just understanding like the flow of the passage and what the writer is saying and what the original translation was. There's historical context too. Um, and, and just to understand what was going on in the times. And oftentimes when I look and I see what was going on in God's word, I realize it's not really all that different from what's going on today. You know, there's a lot of similarities. It's almost as if, and I say as if jokingly, facetiously, God knew what was going to happen in 2020. Okay, we live in a crazy world, but I promise you God's word is still just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed in that word. It's a powerful tool. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says this, But by, by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace was bestowed upon me, uh, that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And this verse excites me right here because the apostle Paul is saying, yeah, I did outwork everyone. And he's not being like braggadocious. He's not praising himself. He gives all the glory to God. He said, I flat out outworked other people, but it wasn't because of anything in his own pride. He said, because I didn't want the blessings, the mercy, the grace that God gave me. I didn't want it to go by and go in vain. I didn't want to waste what God gave me to do. And when you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, what has God given me to do? Don't let it go in vain. Don't wait till a certain age in life. Don't expect there. We don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. It's very short. It's very quick. It can go at any moment. And the thing is, if God called you to do something, we ought to do it. And we ought to do it with all of our heart. We ought to give it all of God, all of our desire. And not because of us, but because of God. And he said, it's not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That same grace, that same mercy he was talking about in verse number one, that God gives us so we can accomplish what he's called us to do. Um, and so as, as we look here, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, but God has called you to read and study his word. And, you know, I used to think there was a time I sat in church and I thought that it was the preacher's job to study the word so he can tell me what it said. And then I realized it was more the preacher's job to kind of edify me, to lift me up, to encourage me, to make sure that me as a Christian was doing what I should be doing which is studying God's word, which is living faithful for God. It's not his job to explain to me every passage in God's word and make sure I know it. That's my responsibility as a Christian. And when we don't know God's word, we kind of see what happens in verses three and verse four. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
in whom the God of this world, or Satan, as I pointed out before, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, and this is not like a woo, going to blow your mind statement, but when we don't share God's word, the only people that are missing out on it is the unsaved people. If you decide to never witness to another person in your life, do you realize I'm still going to heaven? I'm already saved. You're not impacting me personally in that regard. But there's a lot of people in this world that are lost and headed to hell that need to hear the gospel. And that responsibility falls on us as believers, all of us. That is all of our calling, no matter what other callings you may feel you have from God in your life. And it says this, you know, um, well, let me give you this first. I'm sorry. Um, you know, this, this example popped into my head. As soon as I read this passage, the first thing that I thought of about it being hid, and it's only hid to them which are lost. Um, and it, I don't Jack was probably about two years old. And I was, I, you know, whenever you're running late for something, you always lose something too. Like it just seems to add up. And maybe it's just our chaos, the frantic nature of searching for something. But I couldn't find my keys. I was late for work. I was trying to get to work. And I'm like, Rachel, I don't know where my keys are. Um, and she's like asking me a million places if I checked. Um, of course, you know, like any good husband, you say you did whether you did or not. Um, <laughs> kidding. Uh, well, not really kidding. I probably did that. You know, that is... That is a sin to lie to your wife. But the thing is, uh, you know, you you know, you you looked and she looked and were frustrated and she asked Jack. She said, "Jack, do you know where Daddy's keys are?" And he just looks at her and he goes, "Yeah, they're in my rocket." And he walks over and he's got this little rocket rider. Lifts the little seat up and pulls my keys out. He knew all along where my keys were. The keys were not hid to him. He was not the lost person. I was the lost person in this scenario, and my wife was lost. And there's been many times in our lives already as we've watched Jack grow where he knows more than we think he should. And sometimes we try not to let on that he's, he's a smart little fellow there. Um, we're in trouble. But the thing is, you know, it's not just a matter of that. It's not just a matter of not sharing God's word. It's also a failure when we don't know God's word, misrepresenting what God's word says. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of churches today know God's word the way they should or if they are doing exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about and they're just twisting and manipulating God's word, I don't know. I can't speak on their behalf. But there are a lot of places in this world today that are telling people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Um, and that's, that's a scary thing. You know, they attribute a lot of things to God's word. And, you know, I've had some ridiculous conversations in life with people that I still just scratch my head over. I had one person you know, just wholeheartedly believing that every animal he had ever owned that had passed away was living in heaven. And I'm like, no, you know, that's, that's not true. That's not biblical. And he said, oh, it is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. I said, no, it's not. He said, well, my mom said it is. And I don't even know what you say to that. Do you say your mom's a liar? Like, I don't know how to handle that situation. I'm just being real with you. But the thing is, people believe stuff is in God's word that's not there. And that's a, you know, that's a ridiculous example. The other day, and I thought for sure this had to be a hoax. I, I really did, but I looked it up. I even watched the video again tonight just to make sure, because I did not want to misrepresent this. I mean, you maybe have heard this, but just the other day, Don Lemon on CNN, when he was talking to Chris Cuomo, said this, Jesus Christ, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth admittedly who admitted that 
In what book did he find that said Jesus Christ was not perfect? And I just, and he, and he went on to compare the same way that the founders of our country were not perfect. I'm sorry, the founders of our country and Jesus Christ are not on the same playing field. I don't know what that man was thinking. And I don't know Don Lemon well enough to speak on his personal life, but I can tell you this, he doesn't know what God's word says. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, not according to my Bible. I mean, I don't know. But anyways, the God of this world, which is Satan, and that was a beautiful example of that. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unsaved people, has he not? He's made them buy into all kinds of things that aren't so, that aren't true. And they're walking around in darkness. You know, and the only solution to our world's problem in the spiritual blindness is the light of the glorious gospel. Um, like it was talking there, they need to see the light of the gospel. They've got to see the light of the gospel. You know, the Bible calls us to be set apart, to be separated. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And the idea of this, a lot of people have tried to even manipulate that passage to mean things it doesn't mean. But the thing is, there should be a difference between you and the world. There should be something set apart. It's not saying don't be around the world. It's not saying separate yourself and never congregate and associate and talk to the world. It's saying don't be like the world. Don't let them be your closest friends. Don't seek out a spouse that is not like you, that is not saved. Don't be unequally yoked together. It's meant to be together with believers. In verse 17 of that same chapter says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. There should be something different in our lives than the rest of the world. Um, and, and we see that, and I'm going to make this point here in just a minute. Um, in verse number five, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, when we preach this book, when we teach this book, it's not anybody's gospel but Jesus Christ. You know, we don't, we don't have... We don't have the market on the gospel here at Central Baptist Church. The gospel belongs to the world. And it is Jesus Christ's gospel that he gave to everybody. Um, it is, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We preach not ourselves. Um, and so many of us, I think we try. And, and I'm not accusing anybody, but, but I, when I look at our world, I think that, that we try to use this book for our benefit, for our gain, to see what we can get out of. And we watch politicians. I mean, there are politicians that become Christians every November, okay? Like, they are ready to be a Christian in November. You know, and they use this book for a photo op. They use this book for, a, for an opportunity to quote some passage to prove a point that their agenda that goes completely against God's Word is correct. And it's just not what God's Word was ever intended to do. God's Word is the message of Christ, and that's what it should be. In the center of the gospel message is Christ. And when we open up God's word, when we share something from God's word, we need to make sure that we're representing what God actually said, what Jesus Christ actually intended to be shared. Um, in verse number six, it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, Christ in our hearts is the light that will brighten up the spiritually dark world. It's not our ability to brighten up the world. It's Christ shining in our hearts 
that's going to brighten up the world around us. In sharing that, when people see our unshaken faith, when trials come, when chaos is happening in our country, when uncertain times are taking place, when people see the light of Christ in you and the confidence that you have and the peace that you can have in Christ, that's a blessing to other people. That's an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And, and you know, in, in Matthew 5, 16, it says, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Again, it's not them seeing your good works because they want you to think, man, that's Steve Day. He is such a good guy. That's not what it's about. If I do anything good, it should be so it brings glory to God. That's what God's word is all about. That's what our purpose in being Christians. And you know, and this is may sound like a, a dumb statement, but you know, adding darkness to a dark environment has never helped a situation. It really hasn't. Um, you know, you, I don't know if you can make a room darker, but you could seal cracks up and you try to find something you've lost. It's not going to help you one bit. And when we get out in the world and in an effort to lead people to Christ, we make ourselves look like the world and sound like the world and fit in with the world. And we tell the world that their lifestyles are okay and their choices are okay and everything they're doing is okay. Guys, all we're doing is adding darkness to an already dark situation. That doesn't make people want to come to Christ. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying either. There's a loving way and an unloving way to tell somebody they're living in sin. Screaming at them has never accomplished anything, okay? But going to somebody, being that friend, being that person in need that truly just cares and loves somebody and pouring their, you know, just pouring out your heart to them in the way that you feel for them and the emotional connection you have and the hope that you have that they will receive Jesus Christ, their Savior, or a brother or sister in Christ who's fallen and gone into some sin away from the Lord. That's how we bring people back. It's not the other. It's not just making them comfortable with what they're doing. Um, in verse number seven, it says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And can I be honest with you? This is one of those verses. And until about a month ago that I had read several times and I don't think it ever clicked what it actually meant. I don't know why you just kind of read over things. Um, and it says that it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure... That's Christ. That's the power of salvation. The earthen vessels, that's us. It's our bodies. We have Christ living inside us in our earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's about the power of gospel. It's the power of God. It's never about you. I don't care how big or how small your ministry is. I don't care how many people you have or haven't led to the Lord. It's not a matter of you. It's a matter of the power of God in you. Anything we've accomplished is because of God. It always goes back to God. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. This is not about me. If you think I'm up here twisting things to try to manipulate you, to grow a big crowd, to do whatever, that's not what this is about. This is about me trying to share God's word with you. You know, and it, that just is what it is. You know, and, and pastor has said it several times. I've heard him say it, and now it's, my mind is drawing a blank. I hate when that happens. I should have wrote it down. But I think preaching the gospel as it is to men as they are. Is that right? Amen. And that's what we're supposed to do. Just tell the gospel to people exactly how it is. We don't have to change it or manipulate it. God's, God's word is powerful enough as it is. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's God, work. it's God working in us anytime we do something. You know, a lot of you in this room, I hope all of you in this room honestly can quote John 3.16. Maybe you can quote the Romans Road too, and that's awesome. But can I tell you, if that's where we cap out our spiritual learning, 
just so we can give somebody a simple plan of salvation, you're missing out on so much more that God intended for you in your life. You really are. You know, we can tell somebody what Jesus Christ did for them, but with those verses alone, you can't really tell somebody who God is. You can't tell them how powerful Jesus is. You can't explain the Trinity to them so that they get the big picture that Jesus was the creator, that they are, that God is this almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God that personally knows them, loves them, cares about them. And, and God is so much more than just a few simple verses. And I'm not trying to belittle those. I think that's a wonderful story starting point. I think that's a beautiful place to begin in sharing the gospel. But my friend, we don't live in a world anymore where people accept simple answers. Sometimes they want to know more. And I've had people ask me a lot of questions, and I'm thankful for the Faith Bible Institute. I'm going to go back to it again, give you another commercial. I took the creationism course, and I am so thankful I did. I have been to the ARC I've seen it in person, not the ark, but the ark that's in Kentucky. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, re, the rebuilt one in the Creation Museum. And I have learned so much about creation and how much science is really in the first chapters of Genesis. Right. It is an amazing thing. And I know that we're not supposed to win people over with science. But can I tell you something? If you've got faith, if God provided to you the science, why not back up your faith with science? God gave it to you. Guys, this isn't a fairy tale. It's not some fictional story. It's God's word. And he intends for us to know it and to use it. Romans 12.1 says this, and this is where I'm going to wrap it up. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is your reasonable service to give yourself to God. We can't give ourselves to a God that we don't really know. And we can't really know God until we get into his word. We study it. We really research it out. And, and you know, that is a work. And that's why that verse that I read earlier when it says, study to show thyself. Um, I don't remember. I, I don't want to misquote it. But it says, study to show thyself approved. Oh, there it is. Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. It is a work. It is something that we have to dedicate ourselves to do. And I don't, you know, if you're doing a simple devotion every day, I'm thankful that you're reading God's word. If you're reading a chapter today, or if you take his pastor any schedule that he has and read, you know, through the Bible once a year, that's awesome. But make sure you're studying, knowing, learning, taking something new in. You know, when I stand before God, um, you know, I know that all these strange questions that I've had in my brains over the year, uh, like they're just probably not going to matter anymore. Okay. I don't think they're going to matter anymore. But the truth is while I'm here on earth and I can't stand before God, I want to know as much about him as I possibly can. I want to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. You know, and it's compared to marriage so often, but it's true. You know, like I do better with my wife. We have a better relationship when I know her, when I study her, when I know what she likes and what she doesn't like. When I remember where I went with her for a special occasion and don't reference somewhere where I went with a high school girlfriend. Okay, like I know that these are better things. And my friends, like you've got to study God's word. It's there for us. He gave it to us for a reason. And we ought to read it and read it and read it till we know it. And we can repeat it and we can share it and we can memorize it. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm kind of worked up and I'm excited about it. And guys, I want you to be excited about God's word too as well. And this, isn't, this wasn't a salvation message, but I don't ever want to leave without giving an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And I, and I know because his word says it, when he went to that cross, he knew you. 
He knew the sins that you were going to commit before you ever committed them. He knew the sins that you would commit even after you're going to accept him as your savior. He loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. But most importantly, he wants you to accept him as his savior so that you too can spend an eternity in heaven. Don't ever let that moment pass. And if God's working in your heart tonight to make a decision to dedicate yourself to study God's word more, maybe to go to the Faith Bible Institute, maybe to go to Bible college, maybe to figure out what the calling in life is that he has on you. And don't think that because you've hit a certain age, your calling is over. There is always a calling God has in his life, in your life uh, from him for you. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to ask you if you would.